Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from November 15th, 2020. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I am your host, Jay, and joining me is our dear friend, Robbie. Oh, that's a very kind introduction. Yeah, I'm trying to be kind. <laughs> I affirm that. That sounds like an excellent idea. Yeah. So is it kind if you're trying? How do you try to be kind? Sure. I mean, I feel like you always have to, try, to yeah. some degree, try to be yeah. kind, right? I suppose, yeah. If you're thinking of try like through gritted teeth. Right. That's not the same thing. Like making an additional effort to say something encouraging. That's yeah. that's legit. Like an intentionality, if yeah. you will. Yeah. I'll accept that. Good. So, here we are. Episode whatever. Uh, something in the 40s. 48? I'm something in the 40s. 49? Yeah. Me too. Hey, do you ever look up... Do you ever see an actor or actress and... Um, look up their age just wondering how old they are and then it makes you sad you're horrified to find out that they're 15 <laughs> years younger than you yes oh 15 years younger i was thinking like 15 years older oh no that doesn't make me sad okay it makes me sad when i'm like oh man who's that Who, uh, who's that guy who's obviously older and more mature than me and then you look it up and you're like wait he's 28 dude i feel that way and out loud i feel that way right now about you know authors and speakers and everything where I'm going, oh, yeah, it's such sage wisdom. And then you look up like, they're 34. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. That should be encouraging. It though, is. Right? It, I mean, it's encouraging. For the future but then of the also, church. Yeah. But you're also thinking, what have I done with my life? What was the thing with Calvin? <laughs> That's always the thing with Calvin. <laughs> right? So? Well, just that when he wrote the Institutes. Yeah. How old was he? You know these things. That I don't know. Oh, man. Look it up right now. He, um, look at me bossing you around. This is what it's like day to day in the office. That was that was unkind. Yeah. Look it up. Um, no, it's just, I'm confident in your web googlings. Um, so, yeah, the thing is, the, the stories about Calvin get shared, and all it does is just shame everyone that's listening because, you know, he basically uttered his first word and then wrote the Institutes. <laughs> it's, it's oh, he was he was 27 years old. 27 years old. 27 yes. years old. Yes. Yeah, I was, yeah, I don't even want to say where I was at 27 years old and my ability to string sentences together that were helpful to anyone. If you don't know what the Institutes are, it's like 1,600 pages of theological brilliance. Yeah. Like whether you agree with all of his conclusions or not, it's brilliant and incredibly well, well argued, well constructed, well written, and he was 27 years old. Yeah, 27 years old. That's one of my favorite Calvin stories. I just learned this morning that Teddy Roosevelt was 21 when he published his first book that became like required reading of every person in the Navy for decades. Really? 21. Hadn't even graduated college yet. and Dude, when I was 21, I barely read a book. <laughs> I don't think I had completed my first book cover to cover at 21. <laughs> I may not have either. Wow. 21 years old. That's, that's pretty impressive. So those are the kinds of things that when I read that, I'm like, wow, that's really impressive. Wow, what is my life? How many, wait, how many books have I written again? Yeah. Drats. <laughs> I got to catch up. That's, I, I definitely, yeah. So there you go. That's that's encouraging. 
Um, I also love my other favorite Calvin story is how he preached at the church. They ran him out of town. He was in exile for however long. How long was it that he was gone? Decades, wasn't it? Wasn't it like 10 years or 15 years? Something like that. Then he returns. They they begged him to return. He returns to the church. And now years and years later, after being run out of town, his very first sermon is the next sermon in the series that he had been preaching years before. Picked up right where he left off. Picked up, literally just picked up, just got him like, all right, we'll turn to... As I was saying. (laughs) As I was saying. Yeah, it wouldn't have been turned to because they didn't probably all, weren't all carrying their personal Bibles. But the, um, yeah, as as I was saying. So, yeah. I don't know if that's fitting right now. That, is that a transition into I think it is, into, into yeah. preaching, yeah. yes. So Sunday, uh, I was super encouraged by Sunday. I, I always take a lot of notes on Sundays, and I feel like I took extra copious notes this last Sunday. I thought, uh, so great, great job. I was really encouraged by that. I have a couple questions, um, or maybe just some opportunities for you to expand on some ideas, but I wanted to start by asking if there was anything that you had that you wish you had a little bit more time to unpack or a couple days afterwards thinking about it, wish you had, you know, could communicate differently or expand on. No. I mean, (laughs) there are always, there are always random things. Anything that I think is helpful? No, not really. Uh, I do wish... I, I always wish, and I think you actually have some questions. I have a feeling this is where this is headed, but of illustrations, like illustrations are so hard. They're so application, illustrations of application. There you go. There's the phrase. Yeah. Are so difficult because you're trying with a very broad ranging audience to hit things that are common enough that we would all share or at least be able to apply then to more specific situations. And so I always leave those thinking like, man, did I, did I do enough? Did I do too many? Did I choose the right ones? You know, anything like that. So, but no, not, I mean, there wasn't anything glaring. I actually am encouraged by that because I mean, if the, the few times that we can walk away from a Sunday and feel like, all right, I feel like I communicated what I was supposed to communicate and in a way that generally I'm happy about that is, that is a rare gem and so I, I'm. Well, I, didn't I hope say you're was, encouraged by that. I didn't say I'm it was good. I just said that there's. I didn't have anything better. <laughs> that's what. <laughs> that's where I am with it. I suppose technically that's, that is what you said, but I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna put the positive spin on that Look if at I may. You. Um, I'm trying to. I'm gonna try to be kind. You're being kind. Thanks. Um, okay. So questions then. Yeah. I'll I'll. I'll take the wheel here. Uh, I I wrote down. Um, and and loved your your point loved in the way that you love something that is both challenging and encouraging in that um, in that disciplinary sort of way. Uh, I loved when you said we pray that God would change us, but then spend even more time praying that God would remove the circumstances that would actually produce that change in us. Um, I think it's absolutely. Uh, the case. I think that that uh, ever anyone would would say that that rings true. That they can think of examples of you know you pray for patience. You know God, please give me patience. And then when difficult circumstances arise that He wants to use to produce to teach us how to be patient in those difficult circumstances, we we freak out and ask Him to remove those as soon as possible. Um, 
how can can you unpack that a little bit more like how in what ways do you see other ways do you see that fleshing out um or or do you have some encouragement of how do we respond when we notice that we're doing that yeah i mean i think this is so it's so real in in my life i think about things i think it was paul tripp and his in his book uh is it gospel parenting or something? It has gospel and parenting in the title. Great book. Uh, and he, he talks about how you are, how it, as parents, how often we act surprised that our kids need parenting. Hmm. And and so we, we want to be their parents. Like So I think about with my kids, I want to have lots of opportunities to declare the good news of Jesus with my kids. But then I function as though I, I want them to be perfect human beings who never need the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so that's, that's an example. Um, like another example where I just, I, I find myself often like wanting, expecting and wanting my life to function like we've already arrived. Um, but knowing that we haven't and knowing that I haven't knowing that, that God has placed me here for a reason um, and then being frustrated about it um, in in a way that then lends to me not doing the thing that I'm called to do. So parenting is an example. And I think, I guess here's here's what I'd say is any situation, like you're just saying, okay, what is actually the, what's the point? And that was the, the point I was trying to make in the sermon was in every circumstance, preparing yourself in such a way that you realize like my whatever the circumstances are, whatever the situation is, my calling is still the same yeah. to, to love God with my whole heart, soul, and mind in this moment and to love my neighbor as myself and to declare and demonstrate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So I would say, um, you know, whether, whether you're, whatever situation you find yourself in, um, that should be the mindset and if that's the mindset, well, then we're not always caught off guard so much hmm. um, by by things not going well because those are the best circumstances to demonstrate all those other things. So that really wasn't that felt not helpful. It felt not helpful. Why? Why did that feel I, I don't know. unhelpful? Feels, I don't know. My brain is just like going in all these different directions. I, you know, and I think I mentioned don't don't pray. I mentioned that like it's not that we're asking for bad things to happen. It's not that we're asking for bad things in the world to happen or bad things in our lives to happen. I think the big thing is to just don't be surprised. I mean, Peter clearly states that. Do not be surprised at the fiery trials that are among you as if something strange were happening to you. Like this is this is actually the normal. And so I think um I think the issue that we run into as Christians here, I'll say this. I think the issue we run into as Christians is not, it's not the grief that we have over those hard circumstances. It's the tantrum that we throw. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm all for like, if when things don't go the way my kids are hoping for grieving over a lost opportunity or, you know, especially right now with things being canceled all the time, um, it's totally fine and understandable for them to grieve the loss of say an activity they were looking forward to, but then throwing a tantrum about that and letting that affect how they function around everybody else. That's the movie where we'd say, well, that's not okay. Hmm. And so yeah. I look at that in our lives and say, okay, 
um, let's say let's say an illness strikes my family. Grief is a totally that's a that's a good response. It is an understandable response. It's it's that is not a sinful response at all to grieve over the circumstances that you find yourself in. But then the the tantrum or the the kicking against the goads or fighting against that, the refusal to accept those the place that God has put you, um, that's that's where we end up having problems because then we we find ourselves not just grieving over the loss of this good thing, but fighting to keep this thing against God's will. Hmm. And once you do that, like if I'm in a place where I'm fighting uh, against, I'm fighting to hold on to this this temporary blessing that God had given me and to hold on to that as the thing, well, that's that's idolatry, and it's going to lead to Christless behavior. Hmm. Hmm. It reminds me of... of the New Testament reference to kicking against the goads. Yes. That that idea of I'm I am I'm fighting against the very thing that God is using to to prod me forward, to move me towards the very ends that he has for me and I would profess that I want, but uh but the 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 way the the means of getting there, the journey, the, the path is uh is frustrating and uh and I, I love the I, I I love and hate the term tantrum. Like That's I, right. I, I, I I hate it because I'm like, hey, I'm not throwing. A, well, I I kind of am. Like if I'm being honest, that really is. Uh, I'm I'm not responding in, uh, in patience, in gentleness, in quiet. I'm responding in frustration and anger and, uh, and, you know, and then I, and then I lash out in impatience and all of those things like. That is what we define as a tantrum, and I and I I do think I'm glad that you made that distinction. I think it's important to acknowledge um, that we aren't, we would never counsel someone that it is wrong for you to grieve difficult or painful circumstances. Um, however, that does not excuse my treating you with unkindness or contempt, or or acting in a divisive way in response to that. That's when. That's when it stops being about the circumstance and starts being about my sinful attitude towards it. Right. So if you take the example of the workplace, I think a lot of people, I, I talk a lot of times to people who have a difficult work environment and they really struggle in that. And it's understandable. And it's the the grief over um, either the sin or the dysfunction or the brokenness, just grief mm. over yeah. the 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 fractured nature of, of creation at this point. Legitimately grievous things. Yeah, yeah, right. Grieving over that is is so legitimate. It's 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 demonstrating that you understand this isn't the way it was created to be, but that because of our brokenness, because of our sin, this is what's going on. But if you think about that really practically at work, um, grief looks like one thing, but then the, the the tantrum would be just the refusal to accept that this is the situation, and then if that affects, um, so now let's say uh, I'm trying to think of an example at work, Robbie. Let's say imagine you have an overbearing boss who just in the office who's just demanding things of you. Okay, I can go there. I think um, I can imagine. It's gonna be a stretch. So <laughs> someone that just barks at you, maybe to like research things on the spot, like um, <laughs> things like that. If, if, like to grieve over that is is good, but then to the tantrum in that could look like um, 
bitterness and resentfulness and, um, you know, lashing back or judging in your heart or uh, just inability to love the person. Like I've had, you know, definitely we talk to people and I struggle sometimes with like, how do I, how do I love this person who has treated me so unfairly? Well, that's, that's all happening because of that, that breeding of that bitterness and resentment Mm. in your heart. Mm. Um, I mean, you look at the book of Job and that's a perfect example of that, um, of that growing resentment and bitterness, um, the difference between grief and, and then, you know, the equivalent of a spiritual tantrum. Um, yeah. Hmm. You give too much pause. You're supposed to like cut me off and just go. No, you're saying good stuff. I don't want to cut it off and miss something good at the tail end of that. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, so I, th- I think work is a great example because one, one of the other things that we, we were talking about this morning and what you mentioned on Sunday is that idea of, uh, of approaching mundane activities with a completely different mindset, with that heavenly mindset. And you gave the example of walking into a grocery store thinking, how can I glorify God? How can I, how can I love God and love others as I complete this, this mundane task? Um, what does that look like walking into work? And in particular, when when you have a difficult situation like that, when you have grievous circumstances, how, how do you walk in in a very practical, tangible way? How do I walk into that environment that I know is going to be difficult, that I know I'm I'm going to be overtly sinned against in this environment? Um, how do I approach that with the mentality of okay, this is these are ways that I can glorify God today in this. These are ways that I can love God and love others. As I walk into my my work environment today, I mean, I think it's just yeah, it's just that idea of setting your mind on the things of Christ and the things above, and and realizing, I mean, just think about what God's sovereignty does in this. Like, whatever situation you're walking into, God is completely sovereign over it. He has promised to work all of those circumstances and things for your good. Um, he's he is. Uh, he's turned all he he turns all things that are evil and and he redeems them and 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 works them to his good pleasure and his good purposes. He is a good father who only gives good gifts to his children. Um, I think just hanging on to those things and then I I think it's again why James can say count it all joy um, yeah. when you meet trials of various kinds. There's this anticipation. It's not that you don't grieve. Joy isn't the opposite or the absence of grief, but there's a there's a longing with eager anticipation of, to see God make good out of this. To to yes. to see, yeah. and, and that's where I've used this example before. But it's it's why like I actually I actually get giddy when I go to a restaurant. Um, if I'm ever able to go to a restaurant again, but if I go to a restaurant and they mess up my order and they mess up things, I get giddy about it because I just, um, I just so I've, I've seen God so often do those things that I, hmm. I, I I'm waiting like a like a kid saying like like do it like let, I want to see what you're gonna do with this like this is gonna be a great opportunity. Um, now I don't I don't respond that way in everything else in my life. There are areas of my life that um, where I become distracted and I'm more fixated on my circumstances than I am on what God is doing in the midst of those circumstances. And so if you're more fixated on the way your boss treats you um, than you are on 
on the platform that God is is building for you and what God is going to do in the midst of mm. that, both in your both in your heart as as he releases maybe maybe in that situation he's releasing you from from um, the sin of people pleasing. Like maybe it's it's hard maybe it's hard for you that uh, that you want to please your boss so much that that's where that that root is coming and that God is sanctifying that out of you and letting you see what it's like to serve people who don't give you that you know affirmation or that you know encouragement. Um, maybe he's building a platform for you to continue to respond in kindness and to repay evil with good, so that when the moment comes that this person this person's eyes are open to the truth of the gospel, that, that your life and yeah. your interactions are a testimony to that. Um, there's just so many things that he could be doing in that moment. And when we spend most of our time grumbling about the circumstances, we just completely miss all the glory of, of the things that he's doing. Man, you said so much good stuff in that. I working backwards that, that idea of if I'm if I'm grumbling, I am blind to what God is doing. I am incapable of seeing what God is actually doing in this circumstance. If I'm grumbling, I think that's I think that's so important. I love that you that you brought that up. It's so easy to forget. Um, and but as I you know how often in my life have I found myself frustrated that I can't. I'm having difficulty seeing what God is doing in his circumstance and how he's working in that. And, and it's because I'm spending so much time complaining about that circumstance. I, how could I possibly see what is beautiful in it? I can, I can only see what is negative, what is wrong. And, and so I miss all that God is doing in that thing. I, I love that. And I love that you brought that back to James because as you, as you just laid out, all of those possible things that God is doing that, that you're absolutely right. Whatever circumstance I'm going into, no matter how good or bad, he is, he is over that and he is working in that and he is wanting to accomplish something in and through me in that. And so what I just heard you say is best case scenario, he uses my faithful response in that to literally transform another person's eternity. And worst case scenario, he is using that to make me perfect and complete lacking in nothing that yeah that feels pretty positive like and ju- i mean just to give context to that that james verse count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing like that Worst case scenario, that is what my Heavenly Father is trying to co- accomplish in me through that scenario, and it only gets better from there. And that is what he's doing. You know, he's not just attempting. It's what he's promised to do in us. And this is the way he, it's the way he works. And what I get, what I'm amazed by is how kind and gracious and patient our Father is that he doesn't do it all at once. Like most of my oh, day— most of my day is not trials. It's, you know, trials kind of eke into my day and they, and they, in my mind, they can over, you know, become overbearing. Um, but most of my day isn't that like, I'm still breathing. I'm still like, I'm able, you know, I'm able to walk around. There's all these different things, like a million mercies and kindness and, and grace that God gives us. 
Um, and then he does this like like a like a coach that makes kids run, you know, in practice or whatever. Like it's it's for our good, and so we need to be reminded of that. Um, another passage that came to my mind was um, in Second Corinthians six. Paul says, um, "We are treated as impostors." yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. And that that sorrowful yet always rejoicing gets kind of pulled out of that, but but it's this situation that it's it's actually in in being made poor that you're that you're made rich, as having nothing, you end up possessing everything. Like mm. there is this this tension and I think that sorrowful yet always rejoicing is the way we should that's the way we function as Christians because we see the brokenness in the world the 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 way that it, things weren't meant to be but also rejoicing and that they won't always remain this way and that in Christ we can live in that identity now and so I don't have to I don't have to go into a situation and endure a difficult circumstance thinking with my only joy and hope saying, well, someday this won't exist anymore. I can actually experience the joy of that now as he is perfecting my faith and shaping me um, to to be able to worship him and love others the way he's called me to. Mm. I love that. I love that. And, and living and acting in this world, not fixated on all that is broken in it, but on the good news that Christ has is redeeming it and and is adopting sinners out of it and and accomplishing his glorious ends. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, and we Thanks should we should acknowledge that it's just it's hard, right? Like this isn't easy. This isn't something that like I don't know anyone who you know that when I said that I get giddy about that in in the restaurant, you're talking about one specific situation that doesn't even happen very often right, right. now. Right. That's it's just little piece by piece from one degree of glory to another. And so if you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, this feels so overwhelming. I don't know how I could ever walk into work like that. Well, just little pieces at a time. Yeah. Just be faithful and obedient just in one interaction, in one place, in one, just be mindful first. I mean, just be mindful of when maybe um, your grief has turned into grumbling and that it's that you're no longer just sad over the brokenness, but that you're resentful that God has you in the midst of that. And then realizing, kind of turning that to say, no, this is an opportunity. He's placed me here for a reason, not for my harm, but actually for my good. And like you said, he's, he's, forming, he's forming me, and he's also setting me up as a testimony to his grace to a, a lost and hurting world. And you know, it's it's just little by little, day by day. And if you need help in that, man, we love to help people think through that and walk through that. And you're not going to find us being dismissive of like, well, that situation's not that bad or or whatever. That's that's not that's not the um, not our posture. But our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and the work of the ministry is declaring and demonstrating the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and so we want to help you. We want to help you do that and help you figure that out and pray with you and encourage you along the way. Amen to that. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. 
we're uh, we're glad that you tuned in. And again, as Jay said, if if you need help, if you have questions, if you uh, have any any follow up thoughts on either a Sunday sermon or one of these podcasts, we would love to hear from you and uh, either engage you personally or if you just want to throw something out for a topic for a future podcast, we love to hear those as well. So thank you for listening. We love you, church. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Thank you.